So Money Episode 1006, Grant Baldwin, author of The Successful Speaker. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You can charge more in some industries versus others. You can charge more speaking to corporations versus nonprofits. You can charge more speaking to colleges versus elementary schools. It's not that one's better or worse than the other, but they each are going to have different levels of budgets. Now, that also does not mean that you should say, okay, which one char- which one can I charge the most? And I'm going to go after that one. Don't do that. That's a horrible, horrible approach to business. If 2020 is the year that you become a professional speaker, this episode is for you. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Our friend Grant Baldwin is back on So Money. After several years, he's back now after releasing his new book, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. Grant has spoken at over 500 events to over 400,000 people, and he teaches everyday people, you and me, how to build a speaking business from scratch. Here's Grant Baldwin. Grant Baldwin, my friend, welcome back to So Money. It is so good to catch up with you, my friend Farnoosh. Thanks for letting me hang out with you. Oh, anytime. Sorry, it's been four years. Better late than never. You have a new book. Congratulations, I should say. You just released your, your book yesterday. The Successful Speaker. As you well know, books are just a, a labor of love. It's a long process. It's a long journey. Uh, so so to, uh, to finally have it out in the world uh, feels, feels good. It's called The Successful Speaker. And no one better than you to write this book. We know that uh, for those of you who missed the first time Grant was on the show, he is a super successful keynote speaker. You also have a podcast. You're an entrepreneur. You're the go-to person for anybody wanting to learn how to either get started as a speaker or uh, enhance their speaking platform. And so the successful speaker is really a gift to so many people who might not be able to work with you one-on-one and it has all of your best kept secrets. As you like to say, it takes more than talent to make it in this business. So let's start there. What does it actually take then? Yeah. So inside the book, we lay out a, a five-step process. The subtitle is Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. And so inside the book, we make this acronym SPEAK, S-P-E-A-K, that we call the Speaker Success Roadmap. And so within that, uh, I'll, I'll give you kind of the high-level view, and then we can we can springboard wherever you want to go. Sure. But the, the first step of the process is to ask, select a problem to solve. You have to be really, really clear on two things two things. One is who you speak to and what is the problem that you solve for that audience. So the mistake that a lot of speakers make is that we want to speak. We just like speaking, like speaking is really fun. You and I both do some speaking. It's just being in front of an audience. There's nothing quite like it. And so we just want to speak. And so what that leads to is speakers who say, well, who do I speak to? I speak to people. I speak to humans. My message is for everyone, right? Versus saying, no, no, I speak to this one specific audience. And then the, uh, the same thing is true on the other side of the equation when it comes to what do you talk about? What's the problem that you solve? And people say, well, what do you want me to talk about? I can talk about anything. I can talk about sales or leadership or customer service or management or change or marriage or kids or like you may know something or be passionate about all those things. But the reality is, is like you can't try to position yourself to do all those things for all people. So you have to be really clear on this is who I speak to. And this is the problem that I solve. Once you get that part right, then the rest of the steps of the process actually become a lot simpler. It's kind of like a foundation to a house. You get the foundation right. And then the house goes up a lot simpler and smoother versus if you if the foundation is all one then it jacks up the rest of the house. 
That's the first step of the process is to S, select a problem to solve. The P is to prepare your talk. Uh, the reality is, is like not all talks are created equal. There's uh, differences between keynotes and workshops and seminars and breakouts and even how you create a talk. We dig into that of how do you create and deliver a good presentation using slides, telling stories, interacting with the audience, doing Q&A, uh, those type of pieces, even practicing, preparing, rehearsing for a talk. The E is establish yourself as the expert. So this comes down to your marketing materials, your branding. Two things specifically that every speaker needs is a uh, one is a website and number two is a demo video. In this day and age, if you don't have a website, you don't exist. Like people will not take you seriously. Uh, and then you have to have a demo video. Like people uh, typically w before they're willing to hire you and especially before they're willing to pay you, they want some type of footage. They need to, to validate that, okay, yes, you're a good fit for our event. The A, the next step of the process is the acquire paid speaking gigs, acquire paid speaking gigs. So like at this point, the mistake that a lot of speakers make is, is like, okay, I, uh, I know who I speak to. I know what the problem is that I solve. I have my website. I have my video. I have my marketing materials. And I just sit back and wait for the phone to ring or the emails to come in or the bookings to fly by. And like that just doesn't work. So you have to be intentional and proactive about, okay, I have these pieces in place, but as you well know, like speaking is very much a momentum business. So you have to do some things to get that ball in motion. Uh, and then the last part of the process is K, know when to scale, know when to scale. And, and Farnoosh, you're a great example of this, of someone who speaks, but you also have your hand in a variety of other things. And so there are some people that we both know who speak 100 times a year, and that's all they do, and other people who speak five times a year, and, and it's speaking is just a, a small portion of the overall thing that they do. And both work, both are effective. It's not that one's better or worse than the other. You just have to decide how speaking fits into the business business and what it is that you want to accomplish. So uh, again, big picture, that's what we cover inside the book. That's uh, kind of the framework that we walk through uh, inside the successful speaker. I feel like in the beginning, so much of it is conditioning yourself to believe that you are good enough to be a speaker. You know, like I, I meet so many people that they have accomplished so much in their lives. They've gone through tons of school. They are experts in their fields. They might have books, they have clients, but they say to me timidly, I like to also start speaking more. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you are speaking. Like, just own it. You're a speaker. The fact that you haven't gotten a paid gig yet doesn't mean that you're not a qualified speaker yet. So talk a little bit about kind of the confidence too, because I don't think that's anywhere here in the acronyms. Um, but maybe there's like a letter here we can add, which is just um, C, which is confidence. Like you have to kind of believe yeah. in yourself. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And and I think a couple things to note here. One is that every speaker starts from zero. There was a time where you and I had both done none gigs, zero gigs. We'd never been booked. We'd never been paid. And that's the way every speaker, every entrepreneur starts from zero. And then you do your first gig and it may or may not have gone well. And then you do a second gig and so on and so forth. And so realize that, yes, speaking is like I mentioned, speaking is very much a momentum business. And as the momentum builds over time, as you book more, you, you gain more confidence over time. You become a more confident speaker. You recognize and realize that you bring value uh, to the table. And I think sometimes uh, because the nature of speaking is that uh, a lot of times you can charge, uh, depending on the market and depending on a, a variety of different variables, you can charge a, a decent amount for a speaker. Now, most new speakers are going to be anywhere from, you know, a thousand to a couple thousand dollars, uh, give or take. And, and not every event is going to have that, but the events that do, like it can feel crazy. I, I, I know, uh, probably for both of us, there are times where we get paid and you're just like, that just seems astronomical and ridiculous that they would pay something like this to speak. But one of the things you have to realize is that people aren't just paying for, let's say, the one hour that you're on stage. So I'll give you an example. 
kind of a, a parallel to this. Tomorrow, at the time of this recording, tomorrow, my uh, my wife has to have a, a surgery. And she will be having surgery for a couple hours. <laughs> it, uh, I just talked to the hospital. It is very expensive. Now, thankfully, that's what we have insurance for. And that's going to basically take care of it all. But it is really, really expensive. And the reality is, is like if you look at that on paper, you're like, why in the world would we pay tens of thousands of dollars for a couple hour procedure? That just seems ludicrous. But the truth is, you're not paying tens of thousands of dollars or whatever it is for a couple hour surgery. You're paying for the years and years and years that that doctor went to medical school, all the training that they went through, all of the 25 years of surgeries that they have done prior that has led up to this moment that has made sure that tomorrow, whenever he operates on on my wife that he's going to be spot on and amazing at what it is that he does paying for so much more than just that. Right. And so the same thing is true for a speaker. It feels crazy that anyone would get on stage and like, I, I can't believe, like I think about my very first gig, I hopped on stage, I spoke for an hour, they paid me a thousand dollars. And I was just, I talk about this in the book. I was like, I just, I cannot believe they paid me a thousand dollars to do something I loved, something I would have, I would totally do for free. But the other thing I think it's important for speakers to realize at any level is that as a speaker, you're providing value. And so there's absolutely nothing wrong with you receiving value for what it is that you do. And that comes in the form, oftentimes that comes in the form of a check, but there's other ways that you can receive value for your speaking and for your presentations. But realize like th there's nothing wrong with receiving value for the value that you're bringing as a speaker. I gave an example recently to my audience about how I was approached to be on a panel. Um, and the quote started at X, which was quite low for what I thought, you know, they could do. I thought there was more potential there. There was more money in the, in the coffers and there was. And after a few emails, we ended up almost 10 xing their initial offer. And it was like you said, you know, obviously the content is what they were looking for. But additionally, I reminded them that if you want to have someone to come and talk about women and money, this is my wheelhouse, right? This is my jam. I also threw in some additional bonus values. So things like, sharing the event on my podcast to drive more ticket sales because it was a ticketed event and having the founder of the of the company that was hosting the event on my podcast. So there is definitely um ways that you can sort of sweeten the pot to increase your your fee. Have you ever done things like that? Absolutely. You can certainly do that. So it's, it's certainly more than just, you know, here's my fee for one talk, take it or leave it. So a way to think about this is kind of like if you go to our family loves Chick-fil-A, right? I love going to a good Chick-fil-A Chick and you think about it like a value meal. You can buy the chicken sandwich by itself, but you could also get fries or you could also get drink and you could all. So like all of a sudden it's like you could get this, but for a little bit more, you could get this, but for a little bit more, you could get this and this and this. And so that's one thing that we talk about in the book as a way to, to create kind of a, a good, better, best and ABC option for speaking. So if you want just one talk, it's this, or for a little bit more, you can get one talk and a podcast interview and a workshop type thing. Or for a little bit more, you could get, you know, this and this and this plus a hundred books. Plus I'll do an additional Q and a plus I'll do an additional training. So you can, add those different components there to all of a sudden where it went from uh, uh, maybe uh, a smaller amount to a much bigger amount because you added some additional value. Now, I want to go back to something you touched on earlier about this event where you mentioned that they reached out to you about speaking to uh, on the topic of women and money, right? Now, if this was something where this was one of, you know, a dozen different topics that you talked about, then, th then it decreases the value because they're all kind of watered down. Like one thing that we say all the time is that you want to be positioned as the steakhouse, not the buffet. And what we mean by that is if you're looking for a good steak, you're not going to go to 
a buffet where steak is one of a hundred things that they offer and they're all mediocre. You go to a steakhouse where they do one thing and they do that one thing really, really well. And because it's a steakhouse, it also increases the value and increases the price of what they can charge. So the exact same thing happened in what you just described, where the event planner comes to you and says, hey, we're looking for someone who can talk about women and money. And instead of you saying, well, that's one of a dozen things I could speak about, you say, no, actually, that's the one thing that I do, which increases the value and increases the the value that you bring to the table and thus what you can charge. So instead of them, instead of you being able to say, well, yeah, money is one of the 10 things I, I talk about. No, no, I do this one thing and I am one of the best at that. So in the same way that I mentioned tomorrow my wife has a surgery, we could, I, I don't know if this is possible and I, I wouldn't want to risk this, but you could, could hypothetically save a few dollars by going to a doctor who like, yeah, they're a doctor and yes, they went to medical school, but they've never, they don't have a ton of experience with surgeries, but yeah, we could probably figure it out. I don't want to go to that doctor. I want to go to the doctor that like day in and day out, I do this one surgery and I'm, I'm the best at it. I'm really, really good at it, right? So the same thing is true for a speaker because you, Farnoosh, have positioned yourself as I am the go-to authority on women and money, it actually makes it easier for you to be able to find and book gigs because you are the go-to person on that. And because of that, you can actually charge more, not less. How do you know what to charge? Um, I, I often say it's helpful to go on the speaking events website if they do have already a website to see who has spoken there in the past and who might be affiliated with the event, sponsors, brands, because you're trying to get a sense of budget, their budget, and then maybe what part of that budget could go to you. But what's your formula for figuring out what up and, and do you wait for them to give you a budget first and go from there? Or what's your strategy? Yeah. So there's a, a bunch of different variables and factors. And so the big overarching thing is that uh, speaking fees is much more of an art than a science, right? There's no, uh, there's no exact formula that, yep, you do this and that, 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 and plus minus this, and you have your, your fee every time. It doesn't always work like that, but let me give you some big picture thoughts here about how you can kind of factor and big picture picture factors here. One is going to be the market. You can charge more in some industries versus others. You can charge more speaking to corporations versus nonprofits. You can charge more speaking to colleges versus elementary schools. It's not that one's better or worse than the other, but they each are going to have different levels of budgets. Now, that also does not mean that you should say, okay, which one charge, which one can I charge the most? And I'm going to go after that one. Don't do that. That's a horrible, horrible approach to business. Uh, the second, the second factor is going to be a, your your experience. If you're a brand new speaker just getting started, you typically won't be able to charge as much as someone who's been doing this for a long time and is probably just a better speaker than you are. Another variable and factor is going to be your marketing materials. So we talked about your website, your demo video. Whether we like it or not, people judge books by their cover. And so if your website, your video, if they suck, people will assume that you suck as a speaker. It may not be fair, may not be right, may not be accurate, but that's the perceived value that people are going to look at when they look at your website and video. So you have to make sure that if let's say you're charging $5,000 or $10,000 or $20,000 as a speaker, you need to make sure that your website and video are on par with other speakers that are at that level. Now, as a shortcut on all of this, we put together a speaker fee calculator. It's a free speaker fee calculator people can find over at myspeakerfee.com. Myspeakerfee.com. It's totally free. You answer seven or eight questions and it tells you what you should be charging as a speaker. Now, again, a big caveat here, uh, use it as a like a litmus test here uh, and use it as kind of a, again, kind of a, a good starting point versus as, as the end all be all. Now, let me go back to one of the things you kind of touched on earlier as determining how much you should charge and whether or not you should add different things. So there's going to be different variables that go into uh, other ways that you can, you can increase the value that you are receiving and increase the value that you are providing. 
one of the things we, I mentioned earlier is that when you go speak, you're providing value, you need to receive value. Now, the value that you're receiving is ideally in the form of a check. But let's quickly talk through a couple different ways that you can receive value beyond just whether or not you got a check. So if you go speak at some type of industry event where there's other corporations or event planners or people that may have the ability to book you for other events, that may be worth something to you. And so you may be willing to decrease your, your financial speaking fee because you're going to increase the value there. You may be able to sell some type of book or product or service or coaching or consulting. And so there's some events I've gone to that I know if I do a great job, I'm going to pick up a lot of coaching clients that may be worth significantly more than what any event could pay me in the first place. Other things the factor in maybe the location, maybe it's just a cool location that you want to visit. And it's kind of a vacation type thing. Uh, there's a buddy of mine recently who spoke at something in Europe and the event had a lower budget, but they said, tell you what, we're going to, we're going to pay for your wife to fly over. We're going to give you several extra nights in the hotel. Uh, and so he was able to, to, he got a lower speaking fee than he would have liked, but he got a, a European vacation out of it. Right. So all that to say, there's, there's a variety of different ways that you can get value from the event that go way beyond just how much the, the dollar amount was on a check. I always say to new authors, uh, at least in my case, you know, speaking is a great way to introduce your book to large audiences. And often authors get booked for speaking gigs. But if the pay is not great or zero, then see if you can get them to purchase a book for everyone in the audience. And that's a great way to increase your book sales. You're getting paid indirectly, but it's something. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the point being that I would say this, that, that for speakers who are saying, well, you know, speaking for free is a bad thing or speaking for free doesn't count or speaking for free is like, I'm not a real speaker if I didn't get paid. Now there's, there's a lot of reasons that make sense to speak for free. The point being though, is if you're going to speak for free, know why you're doing it. Remember that you're running a business, you're an entrepreneur. And so if you're providing value, then you have to receive value in exchange for that. Some of our listeners are not entrepreneurs, although I would say a lot of us want to be entrepreneurs one day. Um, For those of us who are in corporate working, but consider ourselves industry leaders, thought leaders within our industries, what is, is there any different advice for them as opposed to entrepreneurs or is it pretty much the same? No, I think it'd be very much the same. I think one thing that's important to think through is for most people listening uh, who are in some type of corporate role, you want to be as valuable as possible for your company and not just for your specific company, but for your own personal brand and for the industry that you're in. Speaking is still one of those things to this day where there's a lot of perceived credibility and authority and uh, recognition and prestige. And so if you are, you're frequently invited to speak or you're frequently seen on stage speaking, there's a certain amount of just, again, recognition and value that goes along with that, that you can also bring to the company. And if you're able to go speak on a regular basis and bring value to the company, typically that's going to translate to value that the company can provide to you in the form of your compensation. So, uh, so look for other ways that you can, again, use speaking to increase the value that you're providing and increase your own personal brand in the marketplace. How do you get to the point where you're getting booked you know, 50 times a year. I was just at a conference recently, gave a keynote and then hung out at the conference as sometimes that happens. And I, uh-huh. I walked into a Q and a session with, uh, I think his name is, um, Johnny cupcakes. He's an entrepreneur. Okay. You know who I'm talking about? Uh, um, I know the name. Yeah. Yeah. He's super, I didn't know who he was, but clearly I live under a rock and he's very famous. He creates these incredible shirts, but his entrepreneurial story is really what he gets booked to talk about. And he told us in the audience that he makes over seven figures a year speaking. 
And I'm thinking, okay, I'm trying to do some math in my head. I'm like, mm-hmm. how many speaking events? How much is he getting paid yeah. for this event? Did I under get? Uh, did I get underpaid to speak at this event? Uh, I'm no Johnny Cupcakes, but uh, tell us a little bit about any insights you have from the world of people who like speak constantly and get the big bucks. Like, who are these people outside of, of course, celebrities? Yeah. So on the like the celebrity or even like B, C, D list celebrities at that point, part of what they're paying for is not necessarily the content that they're bringing to the table, but are they able to sell seat, sell tickets and put butts in seats? So, for example, if an event pays Johnny Cupcakes $50,000 to come speak, that seems like an insane amount of money. But if uh, him being on the marquee, so to speak, means that they're going to sell $100,000 more worth uh, of tickets, it's a no-brainer for the uh, organization or for the event. So there are the bigger the name is, typically the more that person can charge. So uh, I heard a, a, someone describe it this way. If the person that was pitching you to uh, their boss about bringing you to speak, the longer they have to describe you, the more your fee drops. Meaning that like if the if the person went to their boss and said, we want to have Oprah come to our event, that, <laughs> like you don't need any further explanation, right? You say one word and like, I got it. Versus if they said, uh, I saw this speaker online, they gave a cool TEDx talk and they have a book and I think they would be a good speaker and I watched the video, I'm going to send you the link. Like the longer they have to sell it, then the more your fee drop. And again, that's just kind of a, uh, just an interesting concept or idea there. There are absolutely speakers who make, you know, high six figures or seven figures as a speaker. Now, the challenge and the limitation with being a speaker is that it is a high paying manual labor job in that we get paid really, really well to stand on stage and talk. But the nature of it is that you do have to typically get on a plane. You have to leave your family. You have to go somewhere when you are speaking to that one audience in that one place at that one time. You cannot be doing anything for anybody else in the world at that moment. And so there's there's just limitations. There's pros and cons. There. Let's, you know, I'll refer back again to the the, the surgery my wife has tomorrow, the surgeon is going to make a lot of money, but they have to show up at the hospital. They have to be there. They can't sleep in. They can't take the day off, right? So there's some, the, the same thing is true for speakers. You have to actually be there. So you just, again, this comes back to, you have to recognize what kind of business you want to be in or how much speaking you want to be doing, whether you want to do five gigs a year or a hundred gigs a year. Again, it's not that one's better or worse than the other. You just have to ultimately decide what makes sense for you. So I think, I think one of my favorite things about speaking is that it does give you that type of flexibility because there are speakers that I know that want to do 50, 60, 75 gigs a year and others that say, I don't want to do that much. I'd rather do, you know, much, much fewer. I talked to a female speaker the other day who said, I don't want to do gigs on the weekend. And I typically don't do gigs on Monday because it requires me to travel on Sunday and I don't want to be gone from my kids. And so you get to create the ground rules of like, this is what, if I'm going to do gigs, this is how I'm going to do them. Now there's obviously trade-offs with that, but again, you get to decide what makes the most sense for you and what it is that you're trying to accomplish. One bit of advice I think that's helpful for novice speakers, people who've never perhaps uh, spoken on a big stage before, is to take advantage of the universities and colleges and schools in their towns and cities, right? I mean, here in New York City, so many colleges and universities. Uh, I don't know if you have experience with that or can give us some advice on how to navigate the university systems, because I feel like that's a, there's a lot of opportunity there to speak, maybe not for much money, but to definitely get 
some practice. Yeah, I've done a lot of speaking in the in the college market. And there are absolutely a lot of opportunities and there's a lot of opportunities that pay as well. Now, again, I'd go back to uh, selecting a problem to solve because if you just said, I just want to speak to college students. Well, if you go to a major state school, you know, there, there's some of those schools that have 20, 30, 40,000 students and there's no one event where all 20, 30, 40,000 students gather and you speak to. But within any college or university is a lot of subsets and a lot of groups and, uh, and opportunities that may exist. So take, for example, for you, I've spoken at a couple different schools on the topic of, of personal finance. And so it may be the uh, financial aid office or um, uh, I was trying to think of the other well, trying to think of like what what are the finance the that, departments you know professors yeah, yeah. who teach finance right yep yep so it could be something like that or or some type of um, uh, again like subset within the college that would hire speakers to come in or, or just work with students on you know just their personal finances in, in general so it may be I was thinking of a couple of things that I've done where they may hire me to come speak to you know just a small fraction maybe a couple hundred students within the whole campus but that is just example one example of hundreds of other little events that may exist. So, so it's more than just saying like, I want to speak to college students. There's a lot of opportunities that exist to speak to college students, but what is the problem that you solve for college students? And then is that, is that something that, uh, who on that college campus would hire a speaker like that? Yeah. I was just watching on HBO, this series called crashing. It's about how to become a comedian through the you know, life experience of a, of yeah. a, of a comedian. And one of the things that he did was perform at the National Association for Campus Activities, NACA. Yep. And typically that draws an entertaining, like entertainers, comedians to the stage. But I do wonder if it's also worth looking up them up and seeing like, hey, could they help to connect you with schools as someone who wants to help students with a particular problem? Yeah, it's it's possible. NACA is one. The other one, a uh, big one is APCA, APCA, mm-hmm. the Association of Prof- uh, or American Professional Campus Activity, something, 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 APCA. <laughs> Just Google one. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> But basically, both of them are options of basically a smaller regional conferences that get together that schools and colleges come to, and they are there looking at what's called a showcase, or a showcase may be you know five to ten different speakers or acts, A-C-T-S, uh, acts, that a school may be considering hiring. Now, the challenge with this is as a speaker who, let's say you're, you're coming to teach students about credit card debt, you are up against schools that are considering bringing in comedians or bands or uh, illusionists or musicians or any number of other things that that are competing for the attention of the school and the student. So kind of lumped into more of an entertainer category. And so depending on the nature of what it is that you talk about, that may or may not be a fit. But I always, always recommend that you, you can absolutely start outreaching to schools and you can even start browsing through a school's website. So let's take the personal finance track. For example, you could go to any school's website. You could pull up NYU's site and kind of browse around to figure out what's their, you know, their personal finance department on campus that you could potentially look into. Business fraternities, business sororities, Mm -hmm. there are all sorts of ways you could go about it. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Now, one thing to as a caveat with all of this is just because you're passionate about a topic, this is for anybody, just because you're passionate about a topic, just because you care about a topic, just because you think other people should care about it, doesn't necessarily mean that they hire speakers to talk about it. So I'll give you a quick example, specifically on the personal finance. When I got started speaking, I did a lot of speaking in the uh, with high schools and and a lot with colleges. Uh, I did. I was really passionate about personal finance. My wife and I had just gotten out of debt, and I was like, students need to know about this. Like, if high school students, college students know this, like this changes 
the game for them, right? And this is why you've, you've dedicated your life to teaching this stuff. Uh, I was having a really difficult time getting schools to hire me to come in and talk about personal finance. And yet every school would tell you that like, yeah, teaching students about personal finance was important. I was just having a hard time getting them to actually pay me and hire me to come talk about this. But what I found was they were interested in hiring me to come in and teach their students about uh, helping, like, especially high school students, about making a smooth transition from high school into college and the real world. So I started getting hired several times to talk about that transition. And within that transition, to help a student make a smooth transition from high school into college in the real world, one of the key things that they need to know about is personal finance. And so I was able to take the same topic, but put it in kind of different wrapping paper. Now, it wasn't like this bait and switch where you hired me to talk about X, but I'm going to come in and talk about Y. And I don't care about what you hired me to talk about. No, it's still talking about the, con- the, the, the thing that I was passionate about, but I had to put it in a different context that was the thing that they were actually hiring speakers to talk about. Very good way to parlay that, Grand. And that's why we come to you for all the help. And you're helping so many people. It's so nice that you created this very accessible book for us. It's called The Successful Speaker. You are fresh off the release of that. Hope that that hits all the bestseller lists. And I'm sure we'll keep you busier for, for months to come. We hope so. Uh, as you well know, uh, it's a lot of work and then you put it in the world. And, and then the work your, is only you, beginning, you, right? You do your part and see what happens from there. Well, congratulations. It's called The Successful Speaker Out Everywhere. Grant, thanks again for joining us and hope to have you back maybe sooner than four years from now. Let's do it. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate you. Learn more about Grant at grantbaldwin.com. The book again is called The Successful Speaker Out Everywhere Today. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. 